Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Episode 254, See You on the Other Side, The Return to Hawaii, as we bring on Lopaka Kapanui, the native Hawaiian who runs Mysteries of Hawaii Ghost Tours. He's a writer, actor, and master storyteller who joins us today from the island of Oahu. Aloha, Lopaka, and mahalo for joining us today to talk about the upcoming Hawaii Paracon. Aloha, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. And Mike, your Hawaiian has improved exponentially since the last time we spoke. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I've been working on it. Aloha. Aloha, Allison. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. I love talking about Hawaii Paracon. It's like no other paranormal conference. You know, you know what we need, Allison? We we need one year at this Hawaii Paracon for you to uh bring a, a First Nations person to to show a real uh what do they call it? A smudging. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh I've been speaking at a lot of conferences and I did um, I did bring one of my friends along. He was also uh, speaking there, and it it was great because he because I was there talking about traditional monsters in uh, the Midwest, and then he was there to uh, talk about uh, the Bigfoot in um, his um, in his heritage. He's from the uh, Pawnee and Seminole tribes, and he did. He did uh, smudge. He did um, do some traditional drumming, and that was really interesting for the people attending the conference. Because, so, who, if I somebody mean, doesn't know what smudging is, yeah, yeah, why don't we tell them what what is smudging? Because when I think about smudging, it's just I'm smearing something, you know. Like, what is smudging? Yeah, it's not smudging chocolate all over your face like you might be used I, to, Mike. I'd, I'd like to be smudging chocolate over my face right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, smudging is a traditional practice. And I don't know exactly which tribe it started with, but it's an intertribal uh, tradition right now where so many tribes use it. And I, I know that the, the tribes in the Midwest – uh, that they have four medicines, and uh, the medicines are sage. You know that might be the uh, that's one of them. That that's probably the one that you're most familiar with. Because on some of the ghost hunting shows, uh, they will burn sage, uh, and they don't really explain it, but um, that it's one of four medicines that you can use. But uh, well, sage- as a musician, I see. Uh, as a musician, I'm familiar with the four medicines. Then parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. No, no, no. Not how it, it is? <laughs> no. I, in this case, it's um, it, it's sage, uh, sweet grass, uh, cedar, and tobacco. So um, they burn uh, they burn the sage. Uh, it has medicinal qualities. It clears the air of negative energies. Uh, it's supposed to be a, a banishment to any evil forces. Uh, and so that's that's what that's what they're using those medicines for. If you're upset, if you're having a disagreement with someone, uh, so I should be burning sage a lot <laughs> if you know my personality. <laughs> yeah, but um, you get upset. Yes. So uh, so sage 
is the one you burn for that. Now, um, cedar is similar. You can also make a tea of cedar uh, if you uh, have a cold. Um, it's it's good for uh, your respiratory system. Uh, but also, you burn it. It makes a cool, like, crackling sound. It, it also smells very refreshing. And uh, also, um, sweetgrass, that's my favorite because uh, that has such a pleasant and just welcoming smell. And that is like uh, skunky. No, no, that, that okay, like that's a different kind of, I, as a yeah. musician, once again, it's a different kind of sweet. Right. Class. That's the dank nug, Mike. Don't get it. <laughs> Don't right. get it. Uh, All right, man. Mixed up, mixed up for uh, sweetgrass. So sweetgrass, you know, you burn it. It's like the opposite of sage in a way, like sage is banishing and cleansing away things. And sweetgrass is to bring bring the positive energies into your life. And it, it sure smells awesome. And then tobacco, you only burn it like when you're praying to the, cause the smoke is supposed to take your, your prayers up to the creator. So those are the four medicines, but <laughs> we need to talk about traditional, uh, Hawaiian practices. Well, that's what I, that's what I want to say. So like what in Hawaiian is similar to that? Cause Lopaka, you just said like, Oh, let's bring over a, uh, somebody from an American tribe and like show them that, but Anything in Hawaiian that is similar where let's say you have a, a place with some bad juju or something like that, and while they might burn sage here and that's a traditional thing, and it's been bastardized into people on ghost shows being like, We totally gotta clear this place with some sage, man. <laughs> um, what you know, is there anything in Hawaii that they do for that same kind of effect? Well, you know, a lot of it has to do um primarily with the people who are occupying this space. So the way I was taught you know, before the cleansing of the, the house, the business, the school can start, you have to cleanse the occupants or the people who work there. And that begins by cleansing from the feet um, up to the shoulders, the top of the head. So a lot of s symbols behind that. And then it goes on to asking the, the protective deities of the place to, um, and talking about positive and negative deities, inviting them to come and participate in this cleansing of, of these people in these places. And what a lot of people don't realize is that in certain Hawaiian chants, when you ask, you know, the light and the dark to participate, sometimes the dark entities are not happy about it, but because you asked, you know, they're obliged to help out. And that's, that's one of the, the bare basic ways of doing something like that. You know, that almost makes me think about how people talking about cross-cultural things, how the uh, the people that used the lesser key of Solomon, that grimoire of spells and stuff that was based out of Christian mythology that was, uh, you know, they wrote that in the 17th century. And the spells they would use, they would, they would call upon angels sometimes for help, but they would also call upon demons to help. And they would use the fact that um, Solomon, who built the temple, the first temple in Jerusalem, that he had used demons uh, to help him build a temple, like he had some kind of seal that was able to get the, de you know. So the thing is, even though they were evil entities, they had to work for you no matter what. And it's that same kind of thing. It's like, all right, well, we're washing people off here and we need some help from the good guys. We need some help from the bad guys. And the bad guys are so polite. They're like, oh, I can't, I want, can't we just eat his soul? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was going to bring pestilence to these people. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, but. And, and so I love that there. And I also love the interesting thing where instead of, like you said, instead of cleansing the yeah. space, you're cleansing the people who work right. there. 
or the people who are coming in. So that's a different approach as well, I think, is, is that idea that it's not necessarily um, the space that has the bad juju or whatever, or things like that associated with it. It's maybe the baggage that people bring. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. You and, know, that comes in there. And that too, I mean, we, you know, when we're smudging, we smudge a room, but we also smudge the people in it. So it's called smoking off. So you just, um, if you're upset, you smoke yourself off. So <laughs> hell yeah, um, you do. Yeah. So <laughs> we're not talking about the dank nug, Mike, although right. it is, it is legal in both Michigan and Illinois now. So, and Wisconsin, it's decriminalized in Minnesota. We're surrounded, Mike, in Wisconsin. Right. So. We're surrounded by stoners. You better watch your kids. <laughs> <laughs> but you, know, you said that with smudging, Allison. Yeah. And this is something I always found fascinating. And I found this fascinating the first time that we ever talked to somebody on our old podcast, Paranormal Wisconsin, where we talked to Jeffrey Seelman from Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. And he the said ex- that- The Milwaukee exorcist. Exorcist and stuff. But he also, he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you'd be surprised how many places call me to clear buildings. Um, and so when you guys did smudgings, did you do them at the school you worked at and things? Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, there was um, one time where a lot of the people felt like- there was a trickster at play on the grounds and in the building and affecting uh, some of the employees. And even even myself, uh, I, I had a couple experiences and, you know, I don't know what, what to make of them. And uh, it wasn't um, malevolent in my case. It was just kind of annoying because I broke my ankle as a result. Uh, but... Um, it, was also kind of joking with me um, in some of the things that it did. Uh, but in response to that, Breaking one your Saturday. Not, that's a really mean joke. Well, yeah, but I mean, he made, I mean, it made other jokes with me that weren't mean. They were just kind of, <laughs> it, it was funny. It was funny. Sure. So you had an abusive relationship with the trickster spirit. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but, you know, when you get hurt like that, it, it can teach you things, you know, and in that case, it taught me that, that um, people there at that time were willing to help me when I couldn't, you know, like pick up my kids from, from, uh, you know, like art or gym, you know, people, other teachers stepped up and, and helped me. So it was just wonderful to see that community support and to experience that. So maybe that's what I was supposed to experience from it. And, and you guys did a smudging, like to kind of clear it out. Yeah. And um, actually we had uh, somebody, come in uh, and talk to us who works in the community and he claims that he actually clears houses of demons and he told us you know some really dramatic stories and I'm like oh man this is just like supernatural I mean what is going on here Uh, and I couldn't believe it was like an in-service where you know like the teachers after school you know, we're usually learning about different educational techniques and here we're learning about banishing demons. And then he came in one Saturday uh, and they actually had another medicine, which I can't recall what it was, but they were, they were burning um, not just the standard four medicines that we talked about, but, but they brought out some big guns as well. And they were, they spent, they spent hours and hours um, going through the building and then going around the perimeter of the building. So it was something that was taken very seriously. 
Well, I find that fascinating. And, you know, I, I'm interested in the Hawaiian tradition of the tricks because the tricks are something yes. you find, uh, you know, across uh, cultures. Obviously, the famous one that a lot of people are familiar with from African uh, folklore is a Nancy. And he's an American gods, Mr. Nancy. Yeah. Uh, Nancy the like spider. That. Right. And Nancy the spider is a trickster spirit. And uh, so, like, Lepaka, is there any specific in Hawaii that, you know, is a similar kind of energy or a similar kind of spirit um, that you guys might have to smoke out? We, <laughs> uh, there's that <laughs> word again, smoke out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we have lesser deities uh, in our culture that are known as uh, tricksters like uh, kupu'eo, but those things are basically meant to, to do, you know, not so malevolent things to you. Like if you're, you're hunting or you're swimming, you, you know, you'll hear voices or things will happen to, to sort of lead you away and get you lost where you get found eventually. But our, our most famous uh, trickster is, is the demigod Maui. And the great thing about Maui is that when he played tricks, it was only on the ruling class. He never played tricks on common people. It was always on, on the, the ruling class or other gods, which is as a kid, he used to get in trouble all the time. His mother was Hina, the goddess of the moon. And he had four older brothers who were also named Maui, but there are different um, epithets uh, applied to their names. And so he would do things like, uh, you know, when his mother would hang his brother's clothes on the line, he'd take a shark tooth and, you know, uh, cut holes all over it. So when they wore their loincloth, you know, everything else was hanging out. (laughs) Stuff like that. (laughs) Interestingly, speaking of getting lost, um, there was that tourist recently uh, who got lost in Maui. Uh, well, actually, she she did live there, but um, she, uh, you know, was an implant, like like most people in Hawaii are, you know, people that are- A transplant, not a, yeah. an implant is something <laughs> an alien puts in there. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, a right. transplant. But um, anyway, she went hi- for a hike and uh, got lost for like, was it a month? It was. It was a. Mm-hmm. It was a while. Um, it was. She was missing sixteen days 16 in the Maui forest, and I mean, she was a, a yoga instructor. Um. So I mean, she could she could stretch pretty well, yeah. <laughs> but you know, she fractured her Thanks. leg in the Macau Macau. Yeah. Oh, I guess my Hawaiian has not gotten better. I'm sorry. It'll take a while, but you'll be okay. In the Macau Forest Reserve, and she ate insects to survive. Well, here's here's the funny but- thing. You're in Hawaii. I mean, come on. It's not like she's in the Arctic. I'm sorry. Go on, Lopaka. Well, the funny thing is she left the car with these in the ignition and the cell phone in the car. You know, so what was she going to do? Was she going to, you know, use the bathroom real quick? You know, could she not hold it? Uh, was she going to meet somebody that no one else was supposed to know about? You, right. You know, but, Ooh, a trust. Right. You know, but her, her claim is she got turned around and lost her way. But, you know, sometimes, too, though, like, she is a yoga instructor. Right. So, I mean, she's all hippity-dippity, and she might be like, I just want to go out in the woods without my phone and just make out with a tree. She or, wanted you know, to commune what, with nature. Right. What, she wants to commune with nature. Um, but that's a cool story. But a cooler story is that she was secretly meeting her man, or like some secret man out there. Right. And then she didn't bring her phone because she didn't want her boyfriend or whatever to find out, like, tracking her GPS. Oh, well, we're going to get in so much trouble when this thing... <laughs> that's yeah. all right. She's not my yoga instructor. Right. And I, and I'm not saying that's what happened. You know, just throwing out examples. So. I am. <laughs> so forgive me, local. Well, no, 
Could she have been fairy led? Could you know she might have been? Could that be ha- she, what happened? I mean, you know, like uh, Mike just said, she's hippity dippity. She's she's into the yoga stuff, the metaphysical stuff. She might have contact made contact with something that just started talking to her, and you know, she got turned around, lost her way. Well, speaking of fairies, now there's a specific Hawaiian tradition about fairies too. Um, you know, isn't there? I mean, we may have touched them before. But it's always good to bring them into it. Like whenever you can bring the fairies in, let's do it. And so what are Hawaiian fairies? Well, uh, the closest I think we can come to, and if we're speaking in terms of, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings and Peter Pan and all that stuff, uh, that would be the Menehune, our, our Hawaiian version of the little people. So the little people of Hawaii, is there anything specific that, uh, that they do that maybe like the fairies that may be from different kinds of mythologies or like maybe let's find one thing that's lo- a lot like other kinds of mythologies. And then one thing that's like, this was what makes them way different. Well, I- I'm going to just interject there a little bit. Like one thing that I've found is, and this really has more to do with the night marchers. Um, and what I, was surprised about that tradition of the night marchers, which I'm going to have Lopaka explain because he can do it so much better. Um, I know it's not really related to the Manihuni, but it sounds a lot like the uh, European tradition of the wild hunt, where you had processions of fairies that would come through at night in certain areas. And you also... And sometimes they were fairies, but sometimes they were also processions of the dead as well. And you had to make yourself scarce because it wouldn't be, you you might get taken away by them if they find you outside in the night. So uh, the wild hunt reminds me so much of um, the procession of the night marchers. Oh, yeah. Well, there are many who need processions as well, but yeah. Really? So tell us all about that, the different types of processions, because it it really, when I made that connection, it really kind of blew me away. I'm like, wait a second, that sounds just like the wild hunt. Right. And and there's a 6 p.m. procession every night of the Hawaii Paracon where you're going to see them for yourself. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's that's a guarantee. You know, the Menehune are supposed to be, uh, they look like you and me, except they're a lot smaller. And they're noted for achieving great architectural feats in, in one night, you know, well, no, nobody's supposed to be around. There is a heiau, a Hawaiian temple on the island of Molokai that's called Ili'ili Opai, which means the, the small stones of the shrimp. And the legend says there was a, a Minihune king on the island of Molokai. And one day he hungers for, for opai or shrimp. And so he orders his Minihune people to get him as much shrimp as possible. And he gathers it on this temple and starts to eat all the shrimp and won't share with anyone. And uh, of course. Of course. And, you know, that actually becomes um, his own undoing. Now, the thing about this this Hawaiian temple on Molokai, Ili'iliopai, is that it's it's a very, very powerful temple. Uh, you know, if you're not from here and you go see it, you just think you're looking at a, a pile of rocks. But it's it built it's built over some sort of place that has mana or it's a, it's a power spot, uh, I don't know electromagnetic field. Uh, a friend of mine, John and Lauren, were here a couple of months ago. We were supposed to do a recording session of um, Hawaiian chants, and I wasn't able to do it. I was really sick. 
but they went to go visit Molokai to get sound bites uh, to add on to this thing we we're supposed to do. And they went on to this temple. And I remember Lauren saying that all of a sudden her ears started to ring. All the sound stopped. Um, you know, the heat was gone. And she said it was like she was not in this day and age. Like everything had just suddenly changed. And then she just wow. had this overwhelming feeling that she wasn't supposed to be there. And then she left. <laughs> Are you talking about like silence in the environment? Like no yeah. bird sounds? It's, it's that cetera? silence that just freaks you out because it's just so quiet. Yeah. So there's an investigator named Jenny Randalls. And, and she's she's um, documented cases, especially uh, where UFOs are involved, but other things as well, uh, where it's just like the environment goes dead. And um, she's she's coined the term the Oz effect for it. You know, that that feeling of presence and also like something has really changed in the environment around you. I get that when I listen to Ozzy too, yeah. <laughs> like especially Diary of a Madman. Like this is that's just a great album. So let's hear more about uh, the Money Hooney and their professions. Let's just tune right. out, Mike. I was going to say she completely ignores Mike, which, by the way, Mike is. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I do because you know he's my little brother. I've been doing that pretty yeah, much since I've right. been alive. Well, which, by the way, Mike is a great album. Right, thank right. you, Lopaga. Uh, yeah, this could go in a whole different direction. So. Uh, the Menehune also have uh, particular kinds of foods they like. So I've told if you believe your business or your church or house has Menehune activity, here's the type of foods you have to leave, you know, to appease them. You can't make them go away, you know, but they won't be as destructive as they were before. And according to one Hawaiian family, there is a Menehune procession that starts from a place in South Kona in Kau on the Big Island called Manuka Park. And the procession goes up the island chain uh, all the way to Kauai where it concludes. And so the story is one part of this Menehune procession start stops for a break at the Pali lookout uh, here in Oahu. And so this family on the big island has another family here and their responsibility since time without beginning, I guess, was to go to this place where the Menehune take a break and set out mats and food and then they leave because the Menehune don't like people to watch them eat. And so those foods are supposed to be a certain type of a starchy banana, um, a certain type of fish called, um, oh my God, I'm a bad Hawaiian. Oh, don't be that hard on yourself. It's called kala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so many words. And uh, I think their their dessert is, a, it's, it's made from the arrowroot plant and it's sort of like a, a starchy, uh, what's the best thing? Not yogurt. Uh, tapioca. Oh, tapioca. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But their but their main thing is shrimp. But the the fact that like that food gets involved too, and right. you know food yeah. is always something that's involved with the fae. Yeah, and they you know uh, similar practices um, were in Europe where they would leave out uh, bowls of cream and and other things for the fairies, and uh, yeah, I, I had um, a couple that uh, called me recently and told me their story of a fey encounter and but it didn't seem malevolent i said you know you can leave out some cream for them and and then they were like well we've got cats so that (laughs) that's not gonna work um but uh yeah so leaving out food gifts for them uh is something that's been done world over 
But don't uh, we all leave? I mean, everybody with a kid leaves out cookies and milk for Santa Claus oh, on right. Christmas Eve. The big elf. The jolly, the jolly old elf. <laughs> right. Uh, and then the other thing is we also, um, way back many episodes uh, ago, talked to uh, Forty and uh, Jeffrey Holder about the Fae. And he was talking about how um, there were there were these fairy paths uh, and then... You could get in trouble like you accidentally built your home in the middle of a ferry path. And then so people, in order not to enrage the the fairies, would cut part of their house off. I mean, that's how serious it was, just so they wouldn't infringe uh, or interfere with the, the fairy procession. So, uh, you know, another commonality there. Didn't you have a story where um, there were uh, there was a house that um, had some manihuni and they there were footprints in the pool and footprints uh, like going up the wall and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. Mike's not privy to that information. Yeah. Well, this is a guy from um, Colorado. His name was Brian, and we worked together. He was a student at the university at the time, and he also worked at the, uh, uh, the old American Airlines uh, check-in desk at the airport. And he told me, one day, one night, came home late from work, very tired. And it was a thing where, you know, they're all sharing rooms. And he said he just laid on on the couch, you know, just to decompress. And he said, suddenly, you know, this thing when you're sleeping, you see this shadow pass in front of your eyes, even though your eyes are closed. So he said that happened. He opened his eyes and he just sat up on the couch. And he said in front of him, the wall in front of him, there were these little footprints going up the wall. And then it went across the ceiling right above him. And he said there's these little dots where the footsteps stopped and then it continued down the other side of the wall. And he said, you know, the real reason why he woke up is not only that shadow passing in front of his face while his eyes were closed, but he felt something tickle his nose. And he said it, he looked at those little dots again and they looked like, you know, toe prints. And he thought to himself, that almost looks like some, something stood in its tippy toes upside down on the ceiling, you know, and was trying to like tickle my nose. What an image. And, yeah. And he said, uh, you know, a short time later, there were those same footprints in a swimming pool. There's also a woman here. Uh, I know her by the name of Suze. She's, she's been a great friend. She owns a a place out in Hawaii, Kai. It's, it's right on the ocean and it's called the Bear Estate. And it's a really quaint, almost like a two-story cottage. It's got a fireplace, you know, front yard and there's the beach. And she's invited me there several times to do, to do ghost stories. And on more than one occasion, I've asked to use her place so I could tell ghost stories. And I always ask her what the fee is. And, you know, we kind of work it out. So this last time, about three years ago, we went there to tell 13 Japanese ghost stories by candlelight. I'm in. You know? And by the last candle, you know, when you blow it out, someone's supposed to die. You're supposed to see a ghost. And so, you know, Wait, it was somebody's supposed to die. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> well, the real tradition is in Japan is 100 ghost stories with 100 candles, but you know I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. That's right. just sad that these days are so go by so fast. <laughs> we don't have time for 100 ghost stories. Come on, we're not not doing I something know. right. Right. If you tell 100 ghost stories, of course somebody's gonna die at the end because it takes forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. I did. I did do 100 ghost stories like what 10, 12 years ago. And we got to the last ghost story. We're going to burn out the last candle. It's in a cafeteria at a community college. 
and the last candle's blown out. The lights are off. Everybody's like, you know, you know what in their pants and the cafeteria <laughs> lights go on. Cause the custodian's like, okay, that's the last candle. Get out. <laughs> so we didn't get to see anybody die. Didn't get to see any ghosts. <laughs> All right. Well, the custodian so almost killed you. That's going to change at Hawaii Paracon 2019. Yeah. Right. What, what was the story with this lady? Well, after the 13 stories and candles were done, she came out and gave everybody ice cream and, you know, soda. And we're all sitting down, hanging out. She says, oh, by the way, Lepak, I forgot to show you something. And she shows me a couple of pictures that were taken in the house, you know, years ago. And she goes, so what do you see over here? I said, oh, that looks like, like, you know, little shadows going up the stairs. She goes, so she goes, I have Menahune in my house. I've had him here for, you know, since I was a kid. And my husband is a non-believer, retired attorney, but he finally had his Menahune encounter. And so the house is used for, for weddings, uh, traditional, uh, well, Japanese weddings. And so she's going on about all these Menehune stories and her husband's corroborating the stories. And as they're talking, I'm sitting outside on the lawn and I happen to glance into their living room and there's this uh, table and the way it's facing, it's facing me toward like, uh, toward me, like an angle, sort of like a diamond shape. And the lamp is on top of it. And the table's a dark Brown color, which explains why I didn't see it right away. And so, you know how you sort of like stare, you know, at a certain place while someone's talking, I'm doing that. And I'm looking at this table and all of a sudden I see something lean to my left and I see these eyes blink and then I see it, see me. And then it just really quick, just, just crawls toward the fireplace. What, what did it look like? I saw my, it looked like a, a man with smooth, dark chocolate skin. Uh, he had no hair and, Oh, I'm getting goosebumps even now. Um, and he just took off. He just crawled. And how and large was he? He had to be no taller than my, you know, one of my grandsons. He was less than four feet tall, but completely formed, mature human and being. And so he like yeah, blended into the brown table almost. That's why you didn't notice him at first. Yeah. And as she say, as I'm seeing this, this is what Sue says. A lot of times you can't see them because they know how to blend right. in. Right. Yeah. Camouflage. And so I said, well, have you done anything to like, you know, cleanse the place? She goes, no. She goes, why would I do that? You know, this is their place. Right. So, you know, they've, they've been. So she has a, a good relationship with them. It sounds like. Yeah. And you know, she says time and again, she'll leave, leave out certain things for them. And then she says, but they like ice cream. Oh yeah. That is so cute. <laughs> well, so, we all. so the, so these stories, you know, there's a lot of surprising similarities cross-culturally and you know through the centuries so you know when you come to hawaii paracon you know that that's kind of my wheelhouse that's what i talk about these similarities and and what they what they say about the actual phenomena themselves you know if you if you experience these things across time across cultures uh then it probably looks like there's something to the actual phenomena, you would think. So um, I'll be talking more about that at Hawaii Paracon. But, you know, let's get into it because, you know, although there's these similarities, there's, you know, some incredible things that you can experience at Hawaii Paracon that you're not going to experience anywhere else. So let's get into some of those things. That's what I think is the most interesting thing. It's not just that there are similarities because that's cool, but it's like... That, I mean, we like these places are islands. You know, we talk about Hawaii as an island. It's out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, like Australia and its marsupials 
or Madagascar and the lemurs. And, you know, they, you, you, you know, it's like, right. well, yeah, they're kind of like monkeys, but they've had, you know, a hundred thousand years to do their own thing. And, um, I mean, I guess kangaroos are not like, I like nothing else. So I don't even know what to say. Like, I guess kangaroos are kind of like deer that jump and, and because they've had a hundred thousand years to do, you know, to do something like in their, on their own, to do something else. And I, I feel like Hawaii is the same kind of thing because, um, we have all these similar things that, you know, similar in the beginning, but there's a point where everything diverges and that's when it gets extra fun because it's like we celebrate our, uh, similarities at the same time we celebrate our differences. And that's why, you know, that's why it makes it fun to explore, uh, different cultures and, and different things. And Hawaii Paracon is the perfect place to do that because you get a blending of, of all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, so let's go through the dates again real quick. Because it's going to be just a, a couple weeks in July, right? I mean, a couple weeks in the future in July. So what are the dates? Uh, July 19th, 20th, and 21st. All right. So you get there on the 19th. What's, you know, the, normally we get to a Paracon. So we just did a Paracon uh, this weekend. And it started, it started the, like the best way a Paracon can start with my band playing. But um, <laughs> Of course. Of course. But like, let's say you didn't have a sweet Wisconsin rock band playing. Like what would be the second coolest thing you could do? <laughs> Second coolest thing you could do would be to have Paul McCartney show up. That would be awesome. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, what actually is going to happen is uh, for the participants and for people who are attending at six o'clock in the morning at the Shriners Beach Home on the other side of the the island, uh, there's a special place where we're going to have a, a morning pikai, and that's a, a cleansing that we do in the ocean, and Traditionally, it's used to uh, start things off on the right foot when you're undertaking a particular kind of journey. And so that that sets the tone for, you know, the Paracon itself. And then that evening, we're going to have a traditional paina. People have this thing called a luau. And the luau, the word has been associated, you know, with the touristy luau thing, you know. The, the grass skirts and, and things stuff. like that and the drinking pineapple margaritas right. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, don't get me started, Mike. God. <laughs> <laughs> Fair uh, enough. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's going to happen is there's at this uh, paina, there's going to be a full Hawaiian protocol where the people who are entering the space uh, have to have a representative to offer a traditional Hawaiian chant. The people inside who are receiving us uh, will have a representative to answer the chant in a, a particular manner. And then there's going to be a really short exchange of ava, an ava ceremony just between the two people. And then we we go in and we have Wait, what we, what quick what what's ava? Ava's a piper mesentium. It's it's mashed into a powdery form from from the roots. And Allison will tell you when when you drink it, it just it mellows you out, kind of numbs your mouth for a little while. Yeah, it's totally yeah. mellow <laughs> and um, actually uh, kind of numbs you out. Like like my my lips always get numb. It's yeah. like the twelve demon bag from Big Trouble in Little China. I don't even like, know what that is, but um, okay. it, it's kava kava. Uh, it's also known as kava or kava kava, um, right. but uh, you know, ava is what they call it in Hawaii. So yeah, um, yeah it's a traditional um, drink, and uh, it's it's really it. it I I think um, you know, at, some people don't like the taste, but I, I think that it tastes really earthy and it's a way to connect yourself back to the earth. And the reason oh. we're, we, we're having the Ava ceremony as part of this protocol before the big feast is that we're also inviting the gods to participate. 
So there's going to be certain, again, certain sort of uh, food items that will left, be left on the side for the gods to, you know, to partake of. And that shows that we're not only honoring the people who are there, but also our, our ancestors and our gods. Well, that sounds like Allison, a cool way to start things going. Oh, yeah. And for Allison in particular, I've, I've already uh, uh, asked for a, a vegetarian menu, a vegan oh, menu. Oh, thank you. really appreciate yeah. that. Well, <laughs> well, I can always be count, counted on to eat a lot of sweet potato and poi, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's um, Sweet potato in particular is one of my favorites. Right. So that's like so it's like a, a traditional Hawaiian feast kind of kicks things off. Yeah, you know, right foot, right right energy, you know, right feel. And then uh, Saturday, Sunday are are the um, the presentations, uh, you know, the breakout workshops, and lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, and let's talk about some of the speakers you have. Um, I, first of all, I love the idea of starting it off with some kind of traditional ceremony, or you know, even if it's not even traditional, if it's a ceremony that you developed and created or take bits of tradition and add your uh, mustard to it, you know, that, that kind of thing. Because I really feel that, and we, we talked about this in, the, in our episode about May Day this year, that the ritual of something, you know, can it can completely change how you approach everything coming up, you know, because uh, surroundings can help. But getting yourself in the right mindset with a ritual, uh, when we talked to Dean Radin about his book, Real Magic, he said that, you know, it was like, well, uh, you can't just believe, yeah, you know, for, for, for magic things to work, you have to do the ritual. You have to do the ceremony. And for some reason, it's that, it's that ritual, it's that ceremony that puts us in the right mind frame for creating the kind of experience that we're hope to, hoping to create. So I love that you guys are starting out with just like, okay, we're going to talk a little bit. Like, hell no, we're going to break out the ava and the sweet potato. We're going to shove some sweet potato in my sister's face. <laughs> and we're going to have this feast and we're going to say like, oh, here's some stuff for the gods. Here's some stuff for our an- ancestors. And we're going to go in uh, with the full ritual and the full ceremony that means something and not just the show on. For the uh, for Whitey or whatever, but, it, but like, <laughs> yeah. like something that, something that means something, and then it puts everybody in the right, right mindset for the kind of stuff that you're talking about the rest of the weekend. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> that's just you know, it's it's all inclusive. It's you know, it's something that everyone can t- participate in, and that's that's the whole point of ceremonies like that. It's like I explained earlier, everyone and everything, seen or unseen, you know participates and they become a part of it. Right. It's a community. You're building community with ceremonies yeah. such as that. Now, I have to ask about the sunrise blessing. It's in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So yes. you should expect to get wet, right? If you're coming Absolutely. And sign a waiver, right? You're, you're like you're like waiver <laughs> like Lupac is gonna hand out the clipboard. Right. With the waiver. The Tom Selleck waiver. <laughs> <laughs> um you know and like I said, the water is very shallow. The deepest is like about chest high. But the point of the the pikai or the cleansing is to fully immerse yourself in the water. And when you come up, you just float on your back and symbolically let all of the waves wash off all that stuff, you know, so you can start fresh. And, you know, that's one of the great things about our culture is that when people come to me with problems, personal problems, you know, what have you. And I always tell them, you know, so you've got this problem now and that's fine. But the great thing about you know, our spiritual belief is no matter what's going on in your life, once you determine to do so, you can start again from now. And so that's the whole point of this, this cleansing is, you know, whatever you came with before, once we're done, you can start it, start over again from right now, you know, and, and in a way, take care of your personal stuff, but also help, you know, 
uh, with the success of the Paracon for the weekend. Well, I, you know, I love that. And, you know, that almost, that makes me think about something I was thinking about. Um, I was writing about something the other day and I was like, how many, you know, so Alice and I grew up Catholic. Um, so obviously I feel guilty about even like talking to you guys because you feel guilty about everything. But, (laughs) you know, one of the, one of the prescriptions of Catholicism is obviously the, uh, original sin of, you know, Eve eating, first of all, Eve ate the apple and Mm -hmm. we're all paying for it. And so I, I, in, in traditional Hawaiian religion, is there anything similar to original sin? Just, just wondering. I know it's not, uh, it's not germane to the conversation. Question, Mike. Oh man. Um, well, you know, I mean, in certain situations, you pay for the sin of your father. You know, sometimes eye for an eye kind of thing. But there is, there is no concept of original sin. All right. Well, I'm converting you know. Hawaiian. Yeah. There you go. Because we have, and, and, we have a ceremony called Ho'oponopono, which is um, a thing where the the issue is discussed. Uh, there's Ava, of course, and. Once that's all taken care of, there's an agreement that this thing will never be discussed again. And symbolically, it's put away. And like I said, you know, just a minute ago. Can you teach me that ceremony so I can do it with my wife? (laughs) All right. Once you do the ceremony, we're never going to talk about this again. Well, my cousin's wife is going to be there. And I've I've been bugging her to do a presentation on this ceremony because it's it's life-changing, you know. And all of it starts from you. You know, you you learn not to blame external circumstances because if you go in a mirror and point, you know, that's that's the problem. It's pointing right back at you. And if you're listening right now and, and you're looking for a new perspective, I mean, this is it, going to Hawaii Paracon. I mean, you know you want to go to Hawaii. You know you love the paranormal. And then there's this life-changing spiritual element as well that's authentic. It's not a touristy thing. You're going to learn from traditional Hawaiians. Well, we should talk about some of the speakers um, that you can see and maybe like what they're going to bring to the table at the Paracon. And so, uh, I mean, some people like Allison, you're not, you're not a native, native Hawaiian. Nope. Um, <laughs> as much right? as I'd like to be. <laughs> you're, just a little, you're just a little bit whiter than Casper. I, I'm just a little Polish girl. Not, not yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. At the, you know, um, but like some of these other guys, like, like oh, Dave Kahu Wallace. Dave. Dude, yeah, are Kahu you? Dave. Explain what Kahu means. <laughs> for, yeah. for and how do I get the name Kahu Mike? How do you do it? <laughs> well, it's weird because I just clicked onto his picture and Mike said, how about Kahu Dave? Yeah. Yeah. So we got this. Yeah, we got the podcast Gestalt happening here. Uh, <laughs> 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 use it. Post it. Make a t-shirt out of it. <laughs> you know, the, the, the great thing about. Kahu Dave and Kahu means sort of like you're a guardian. And the really cool thing about Kahu Dave is he grew up on the island of Molokai, and the the Kahuna on Molokai had a skill where, where they could leave their body and go to other places and visit, you know, and bring back specific details of what happened at that moment. But they also could leave their body and travel to the future. And so the Kahuna on Molokai, when they gave prophecies to their chiefs and the chiefs listened, it would benefit them. And so what's really uh, karmic about Kahu Dave is he's, he's one of these master proponents of remote viewing, you know, as we know it today. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful human being. And so he's going to do um, one presentation on uh, the regular remote viewing, and then he's going to have a, a breakout workshop on, on the real uh, Kahuna style remote viewing. Oh my gosh, that is so 
exciting. Can you explain what uh, the, the word kahuna to everybody? Because I never knew what it meant until there was a podcast right when podcasting came out. Mm-hmm. Called like Jedi training or something like that, and it was by a, <laughs> it was by a Hawaiian guy right. who lived in Hawaii, and he was studying the Huna himself. Oh boy! And so as he was going through like Huna training and learning more about it, he was podcasting about it. So right. that's when I finally learned what the word Kahuna means and what Huna was in general. So for people unfamiliar with that, could you kind of give a quick intro? Yeah. So not to burst anyone's bubble, but Huna is not Hawaiian. Uh, it was a practice started somewhere in in the. Uh, the midst of uh, Southern California, and that's that. Of course, that, it, of course it did. <laughs> uh, the word kahuna means master. It's, it means that you've mastered a certain craft and that you are the person to go see about it, the person to learn about it. And so um, Dave is definitely a kahuna of what we now know as remote viewing. And just a, a great healer, uh, a gentleman. And I guarantee you, once you're you're in his presence, he'll be completely relaxed. And if you're looking at his picture right now on the Hawaii Paracon website, that's not what we've come to know as as the face or the attitude of a kahuna. I mean, he's got a nice aloha shirt, a kukuina lei. He's got a smile. You know, we've come to know the kahuna as, as the guy from uh, that movie, Bird in Paradise, who has to throw the girl, you know, Deborah Paget into the volcano. <laughs> well, she des- she know. did deserve it. She, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with Louis Jardin, yeah, she should be thrown into a right. volcano. Uh, but it turns out the guy who plays the kahuna in the movies, Italian. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I mean, not that know, they, again. I mean, they, I did, they, did, they, they did a great, they did a great job of uh, of ethn- like picking people of completely different ethnicities. For uh, you know, I was actually just thinking about this because one of our uh, friends who we met at the Michigan Paracon, like his cousin is this 1960s like bit actor. Uh, but he's a character actor you would completely recognize because he's like a Vulcan. I mean, he's like a Klingon on Star Trek. He's an Indian in every like 1960s cowboy movie. Right. And yet he's Greek. Yep. Like there, yep. there's uh, plenty of Indians to pick from. And they're like, well, that Greek guy looks Indian and he's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that Hollywood, you know, has that innocent authenticity and 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 i mean they're getting a little bit better now but but yeah that's why that that's one of the reasons why hawaii paracon is so special because it's it's one of the few paracons um there's only um one other one in the states that i i know about that um is organized by an indigenous person and there's just not enough native voices in the paranormal in, in my opinion, anyway. So, I mean, that's that's a reason to come to Hawaii Paracon. If you want the right. real deal, here it is. Well, you know, and it, the thing is, we're not trying to make a political statement. All it is is, you know, maybe people from not from Hawaii might appreciate, you know, the Hawaiian view of, of the paranormal. Yeah, the real Hawaiian view. You mean the idol on Brady Bunch wasn't the real Hawaii paranormal? <laughs> Since we're on a subject, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, when that episode came out, my mom was watching it with us, and she looked at us. She says, you see that tiki? She said, you'll find that kind of tiki in those stores in Waikiki. You know, and it has, a, you know, the jeweled eyes in it and everything. And she says, and if you guys ever come home with one of those, I'll beat your butt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, when you had one of those things, uh, you you did rituals to feed them and, you know, imbue them. And so my mom said, you know, if you're not going to do that with those kinds of tiki's, then don't bring it home. Oh my God, it's like a pet. Yeah. 
So she said, and once you stop, you know, worshiping it and stop feeding it, the thing you put into it is now going to take something out of you. Yeah. So it's oh, not something to be messed with. What? That's like a turnaround to like, it's what started out as something nice, like turns around to like yeah. something evil. It's like if you get a My Little, <laughs> like a, like a My Little Pony or something like that. And you're like. Not everybody yes. out there is a brony, Mike. When you stop, when you stop petting the mane of My Little Pony, he'll make you pay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you put into it, he'll take out of you. I, lo- right. I love it. That's like a that's like a horror movie poster. Yeah, it's like a mafia. So, um, what is the difference? I I still don't really understand the difference between kahu and kahuna. Can you explain that? Uh, so you know, Mike and Allison. If our our family guardian is the shark. And the three of us have been assigned to be its caretaker, its guardian. We are the kahu of that shark god. You know, we take care of it. We feed it. And um, the same thing, if I if I have an idol that's been handed down to me, that's been used to pray people to death, I'm the kahu of it. I'm, I'm the guardian. I'm the caretaker until it gets passed on. <laughs> the kahuna is the master of the essence of that that tiki image, that that shark god, the kahuna is, is the one who knows the prayers, how to call it, how to put it to sleep, you know, how to transfigure it into its human form. So he's the master of the overall ritual concerning, you know, that thing. We're just the guardians of it. Ah, I see. I, I love yeah. that. And I love the similarities then. Um, it comes to, and so, so let's just say, you know, majority of the listeners to the podcast were raised Christian, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, all right, well, a household god or whatever. Well, yeah, but it's, you know, is that that different than, I mean, you go to any uh, grocery store in Madison here, and there's going to be a whole row with religious icon candles. Yeah. That, you know, people go in and they burn, you know, the candles when they want something to happen or the crosses we put on our walls and things Mm -hmm. like that. So when you think about the same kind of thing, like... If a cross drops off your wall, you're like, oh, I better, I better pick that up. Like, they, yeah. like Jesus is on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And so that idea that something of a religious nature or of a spiritual nature, you keep in your house a physical object as a, uh, as a reminder of it or something with which helps you focus your energy towards it. And then you treat right. that with respect and reverence like you would the actual uh, you know, the, the actual spiritual thing you're, you're thinking of. Well, the difference is, you know, if you're the caretaker of the, the tiki or the shark god, um, and somebody's walking through the house and they accidentally knock that thing over, the consequence is not on that person, even though they're the ones that knocked it over. The consequence is on you, the guardian, or the caretaker. You know, mm. so whatever is the result of that is going to come to you. So don't put it by your toddler. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, so I'm really excited to hear about um, Kahu Dave and his presentations because I know that last year he did, you know, the remote viewing protocols uh, that were taught um, in government circles. And then it's yeah. going to be really exciting to also now see the other side of it, to see the traditional hawaiian approach to remote viewing because it must be very different it's it's very different um in some some traditions kohuna were able to uh not only remote view but in certain circumstances they could manifest themselves 
And so a few years back, I was doing a, a ghost tour that started from the palace and we ended up in a cave on the west side. And I asked Kahu Dave, you know, could you do me a favor and remote view this tour? And if anything happens, just, you know, send me a text. And so we're in the palace. We're going into the uh, the old archives building. And right away, I get a text. And he says, a palace guard is 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 watching over this group. And there's a couple of people he's not happy with. And I said, okay. And he says, yeah, I'll, I'll have more. And so now we're in the room doing the thing. And he sends me another text. He says, uh, there's two military men on these tour, uh, this tour. Uh, they're specialists in their field. But the palace guard is not happy with them because they're not admitting to themselves what they're seeing right at this moment. I said, oh, really? And I'm like, what are they seeing? And, and Kahu Dave sends a text back and says, well, they're, they're seeing uh, other people of a Hawaiian personage and royalty. And these two men are not Hawaiian themselves, or they're kind of freaking out. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so we get to the, ca- the cave, and before I lose the signal, uh, Dave sends another text and says, good luck. It's going to be active. <laughs> oh, man. And so that's that's when um, that's when these two pictures were taken. You see the two pictures from the cave, Allison. Yeah, I believe so. But we should definitely put them in the the show notes for this episode. Oh yeah, no, I'd love to. Like, right. Um, I mean, Hawaii is a place of magic, right? I and mean, I, um, I mean, you yeah. really, I I don't want to harp on it too much because you know I don't want it to sound artificial. You know, I'm sincere when I say. That when I'm there, I feel like anything could happen. I mean, it's different than, you know, Mike and I, you know, we both do ghost tours and, you know, we're both into the paranormal. But when you go to Hawaii, there's there's something different. There's a sense of history, of place. You know, it's like here in Milwaukee, I mean, very much with, you know, the haunted history tour I started, it's like I wanted to resuscitate that. I wanted to bring that back to people because, you, you know, in this culture, the, the dominant culture is so removed from anything spiritual or or even connections with ancestors. And when you go to Hawaii, I just felt that, you know, that's still alive there. You know, it doesn't need to be resuscitated. You can still feel it in the air. And that was that was my experience there in Hawaii as you feel something very, very different and and very alive. It's a vibrant, vibrant place, uh, you know, both in plant life and in spirituality. And and last year too, uh, I really enjoyed uh, the presentations by Kali'i and and uh, Lane uh, because I I didn't um, realize that uh, the traditional Hawaiian tattoos that you see on you know, popular Hawaiian stars like Aquaman, for example, <laughs> Jason Momoa. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I didn't rock, really does the really... Rock have traditional Hawaiian tattoos too? Oh, I think no, he went... there's there's uh, Samoan. Oh, there's Samoan. Okay, okay. So, um, but but like Lane was talking about uh, not Hawaiian tattoos, but um, he was talking about the, um, Filipino looks like Filipino. Yeah, Filipino tattoos. And uh, their cultural and spiritual significance. And um, Kali'i was talking about um, Hawaiian tattoos and their spiritual power as well. So, I mean, it was really something I had never heard before. So, and they're coming. They're coming back. Yeah, they're coming back. 
they're both uh, Kelly E and um, e. Lena are both coming back. And the thing is, let's all go to Hawaii and get some ink, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this year, uh, Kaylee and Lane are going to do actual tattooing. Wow. As well. You know, so this year it's not just the uh, the lecture, but there's there's going to be a, a room I think they're going to use where everybody can come in, see an actual traditional Hawaiian tattoo happening on an actual real life person. <laughs> and so is there any... Might be uh, well. I was just yeah, going to say, uh, who's that person? <laughs> you can get some ink, Allison. We can, I, uh, I did promise Lil Baca that one of these times I'm going to get some yeah. ink when the time is right. Yeah, totally up to you. So... When we think about tattoos, is there anything specifically about Hawaiian tattooing um, that in, represents something spiritual? I mean, because tattoos are a very personal thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the problem is, for me at least, when I think about tattooing in the Pacific Ocean, I think about Queequeg or whatever. Yeah. You know, is that crazy? Like, right. Something yeah. with like a tattoos over the face and over the body as, you know, some kind of, um, was it melon, you know, I can't remember where Kukuk is from, but some kind of Pacific Island warrior. And is that near at all where Hawaii is on the the spectrum of tats, or you know, or the the spiritual aspect of it for warriors and stuff, or or what kind of is a, a little bit of the tradition of it? There are tattoos that represent your your ancestors, your immediate family, um, your guardians, your warrior heritage or chiefly heritage. And there are some tattoos that represent your, your Almokua, your spiritual guardians and, you know, the primary gods, but each tattoo is significant or personal to each person, you know, so no, no one tattoo is, is the same tattoo that represents, you know, an overall statement. If that makes any sense. No, it does. It, and that's the thing too, because you think about like all my Marine friends and they all have a USMC tattoo, right? Like if they served in the Marines, um, if they ever went overseas or, you know, were, were deployed, um, I don't know any <laughs> that do not have a tattoo of the Marine Corps. So that would be the example of you're just putting a symbol on your arm or something you did. And it's something that may not, it may be personal and, uh, you know, to you, but it's more of like, it represents me as part of a group versus this is my journey. Well, there's, there's that too. You know, so if let's say you go to see uh, Kili, who's, by the way, the first title kahuna of traditional Hawaiian tattooing in 200 years. Nice. Um, what you get will be specific to yourself, and so Kili will say, "So this tattoo represents this journey you're on now." But then he'll say, "And when that journey is complete, you'll come back and get another one." Oh, awesome! So you guys gonna have like a tats room? Yeah. Yep. That's pretty hot. Okay, so who's somebody you guys have going on this year? Um, that you haven't had in the past and you're excited about the kind of, you know, the, the kind of perspective that they can bring to the convention. Well, um, I'm going to let Allison take this one. Uh, we're talking about Lloyd Arbach. Yeah. Well, Lloyd is our keynote speaker this year and, you know, he, he is just a, an amazing university trained parapsychologist who's lit- written so many books uh, about the paranormal and parapsychology and so I'm excited to have to have him come. I've, I've seen him speak before, uh, just years and years ago at 
as as uh, it would happen at the Haunted American uh, Haunted America conference in Alton, Illinois. Uh, he was a speaker there. Oh man, I don't know, at least a decade ago, if not more. Oh, and- a decade ago, you were only like twenty four, right? <laughs> yeah, Mike, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm liking you more <laughs> than ever before right now. Thank, thank um, you. But but yeah, so at least a decade ago, he was a speaker there, and and I just remember how friendly he was, and uh, and we went on a ghost tour together after uh, the speaking was done, and and he had a deck of playing cards, and he was doing card tricks for us. He it was really he was really a fun person, so I'm really excited to to hear him speak, uh, and. You know, one of the things that he does that that many uh, investigators don't do is he really he really takes um, he takes findings from parapsychology and applies it in the field of the paranormal. It seems like with all the TV shows and everything, we're really getting separated from the science of parapsychology, and that doesn't make sense because... Right, a world where the SLS camera exists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it makes me, makes me feel like we need to go back to... I'd rather have William James work on something. Right, or Alnar Sedgwick, right? Where, right? where they're really, you know, more in touch with the people and more in touch with, uh, with scientific protocols. Those are important to follow, too. So he can bring the science back to the uh, paranormal investigation. And so that's why I'm so excited about him being there. Uh, And I'm also excited about the class that he's teaching. The the workshop is, uh, seems really, really fun. It's about um, spoon bending. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I I did go to a similar class at uh, Camp Wanawak, which is uh, located here in Wisconsin. It's it's only, uh, it's one of three uh, spiritualist camps that still exist in the United States. So that was really fun, but I did not learn to bend a spoon. Not at all. Uh, but I was able, what was that? Like Uri Geller. No, not. Yeah. I I couldn't, couldn't even approach it, but I was able to balance the spoon on my nose. So I think that's worth something. Yeah, that's not really paranormal. Um, all you gotta do is all you gotta do is lick the spoon. I think I think my daughter did that. My three year old daughter did it today, and she's definitely not paranormal. Oh except, man, except paranormally naughty. Yes, that's right. Um, you know, I, I I tell you though, I, I mean, Lloyd's been on the show before, and he's one of my personal parapsychological heroes. Yeah, wasn't he like episode twenty seven, like right in the beginning? Yeah, we had, I mean, Lloyd right away because uh, I read his book ESP um, Poltergeists. Oh, no, I can't remember. It's the Parapsychologist Handbook, ESP, Poltergeist, and Hauntings, the Parapsychologist Handbook. And it just goes into so many things like how you would scientifically research a haunting, how you would go and, um, you know, look for something instead of just jumping to the uh, the conclusions of, oh, this is a demon. All right, then. I guess you're all damned. Got to go. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, like the investigation from a scientist, scientific perspective, and he's just a fascinating character. And I, I mean, you might be able to go on a ghost tour and a hunt with Lloyd at the Hawaii Paracon. And what a special experience that would be. So, um, you know, that's going to be awesome. And he really is a coup. I think he's uh, going to be someone awesome to listen to and talk to. You know, real quick, Allison. Uh, I know we're already getting on in time here, but I want to make sure we talk about this story that you just told at Haunted America last week. And oh, I don't yeah. Know if Lopaka knows anything about it, because 
this one, this particular story is something that people talked about for the next couple of days and happened at Hawaii Paracon. And, you know, I was talking to people like, what's your favorite presentation? And they're like, well, I really liked when that Allison girl was talking about the weird crap she saw in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody said it just like that. Great. Well, we were in, we were in Southern Illinois. So yes, they did. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it wasn't some kind of story. So let's let's hear that again. And this is the kind of stuff that you might encounter if you visit the islands. Well, you know, when something weird happens, I, I think you don't even know what it is at first. You don't really know how to wrap your head around it. And I'm not saying I know for sure this was paranormal, but it was unusual. And not only I experienced it, which is the special thing about it. So uh, at the, the first first night of the Paracon last year was just for speakers. We had a Ava ceremony at Kali'i's house. And it was just spectacular. And then on the way home, you know, we're feeling a little tired. It's uh, about 1 a.m. in the morning. And we're driving down the road in... Um, La Ling's convertible. <laughs> uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful Hawaiian night. So we're not feeling and any trepidation. That's our, uh, that's our, like she, that's our cousin who yes. lives in Hawaii. That's right. La Ling. And she's originally from Guam. And anyway, she, she's very generous. When I come to Hawaii, I get to stay with them and, and they let me use their convertible and their other car. And so it's awesome. Uh, so that's very kind of them. But anyway, so we're in, I'm just just uh, describing it to make it clear that there is no trepidation. We're feeling really relaxed after the Ava and we're going down the road in this convertible and it's a perfect Hawaiian night. Like it is like probably every night, just that perfect, like for you in the Midwest, you know, that perfect like summer night where it's not too hot, not too cool. It's just perfect. And, you know, there's a, there's a soft breeze blowing. Anyway, so we're going down the road with the top down in our convertible. And then at the side of the road, both of us, my husband and I, my husband's driving, we noticed this woman at the side of the road. And... And it's the yoga instructor that was gone for 16 days. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was in Maui. So we're on Oahu. And uh, so we see this woman at the side of the road. And she looked like a, I, I just saw her back. So she looked like a, a young woman, uh, fairly long, like sandy, um, sandy, I would say, blonde hair, um, like a dishwater blonde. And so she's standing there at the side of the road. And she's wearing like a a summer dress with uh, spaghetti straps. As I remembered, it was like white with like blue stripes or something like that. Um, We also have Sunspot t-shirts with spaghetti straps. I'll have a link in the show notes. Okay, good. (laughs) The spaghetti straps, that's an important detail. Paranormal shirt. So so anyway, she's standing there. But as as we're driving towards her, I laugh because the... She's standing completely still, completely, like a mannequin or something. And But she's posed in, I can't even describe it. It's like I laughed because 
it was like, you know, all those horror movies of late where you, you see the ghost and, you know, kind of like in the ring where the movement is like herky jerky or something like that. Well, take a freeze frame of like the ghost from the ring, uh, you know, walking and then and then just hold it there. I mean, that's what it was like. This pose was something was so resonant about it that it made me laugh. Like, I'm like, that's, that can't be real. What is that? You know, that's a woman. I mean, what is she doing? She's perfectly still. And then we were past her. And then I was like, Scott, we got to go back. Cause Scott was like, what was, what was that? We both noticed that something, something not usual happened right there. And, and I'm like, you got to go back, Scott. And we didn't go back. And and that's the thing. Like, if you know me, sad to say, I'm kind of a harpy. And I don't mean any offense, but totally we harpy. needed to go back, right? And usually when I want something, I just like bulldog it till I get it, right? And I just let it go. I just let it go. So that is not like my personality. You know, a lot of times I've found when people tell me about their extraordinary experiences, they're like, why did I react that way? That's not consistent with my personality. And here was a, here was something that happened to me that was like that. And again, you know, even when we saw that, even though it was so inexplicably weird, um, we, we weren't frightened. But I don't know why I wasn't like, I, I didn't like keep on Scott until he turned around. Sad to say, I didn't. And we just kept driving on. We went back to La Ling's house and went to bed. Um, so, but the next day when we're prepping just before the conference is about to start, you know, every, all of us, all the speakers are in the room, you know, Lopaka and Lane and Kali, Kali was there, but uh, he, he didn't have a response to this because he was at his house. <laughs> so he wasn't on the road um, seeing this, this, whatever it was. Um, but I just remember saying, hey, guys, last night, did you see that lady or did you see that girl? It, that was it. I didn't like elaborate. I didn't tell the story like I just told the story. I'm like, hey, did you see that girl? And I didn't even say on the side of the road or whatever. I just said, did you see that girl? And both Lohopaka and Lane knew exactly what I was talking about. and the exciting thing is that Lane, he came a little bit late to the ceremony. It was like around 10, 1030 or something like that. So he and his friend saw her on the way in. And this was around 10 o'clock. And then we saw her on the way out, which is like 1 a.m. So we're going to stay so out there slow. for four hours. Uh, even if you're like some kind of performance artist. Now, Lopaka, you you described uh, what you saw. And, and could you do that right now? Describe what you saw and when. Oh, could you remind me again? <laughs> you know, the, the thing was, we we were late because I just, uh, I just got done doing a ghost tour. And Lane's friend Dave uh, was driving us in the SUV. And we're very nice people. And Dave was driving really slow. So we had to get on Dave's case to, you know, put the pedal to the metal because we got to be there. And so I was still in that state of mind when we were going to Kaylee's house. And Okay, so you were in the same car with Lane. Yes. Okay, so it had to be around 10 something. Around 10. 
And God, I got to jog my memory now. But I, I remember seeing someone walking on the side of the road dressed in white. Uh, I think I remember white hairish, but I specific, specifically remember blood. Yeah. yeah. What you told me is, so you saw this woman at the side of the road, but um, you saw her from a different perspective than I did. I just was, we were coming on up on her from behind. We just, I just saw her back mm-hmm. and you saw her front and you said that you saw blood running down her arms. Yes. Yep. And so my question is why, why didn't you call 911? (laughs) Not to to put you on the spot or anything like that. You know, I just, I just figured it was, uh, initially my thought was it was some crackhead. Uh, because you know, meth users are, are known to frequent that area, especially the beach. And you see them running around the road, rolling around on the road, naked, doing crazy stuff. And so when I saw her, I'm like, oh, okay, it's another crackhead. But here's the thing. We're approaching the, the turn to Kaylee's house and I kind of like, you know, just casually turn around to look and she's not there. Oh, oh man. And now so, she's presenting Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Hawaii Paracon 2019. <laughs> yeah. well, well, we would love that. So, so you actually saw her and then she was all of a sudden, when you look back, she was completely gone. And, you know, the, the place where it was, I mean, it's not like there's deep cover no. where she could be out of sight so quickly like that. No. And, you know, that's that's the famous Makaha Beach. It's a famous surf spot around the world, you know, but it's also got a, a spiritual history behind it because that's, that's where uh, the same shark god who lives in the cave out in Makua. The one usually, that we visited? Yeah, at that cave is the same one that sort of likes to hang out on that beach in his, his human form. So who knows why she was bloody. <laughs> oh man. She could have been that girl that gets it in the beginning of Jaws. So, oh, yeah. so that was the thing. I mean, that's why you're like, it's just, it's just a meth head. And then when you look back, she's disappeared completely. Yeah. And, uh, and you yeah, probably I'll have, have to talk to in your mind. You, you, you got a convention to run. So you're like, all right, I'm not going to worry about some, some meth head at the side of the road when I got a convention <laughs> right. to run. No time for ghostly hitchhikers right now. Gotta go. Right. Resurrection Mary, get lost. I'm busy talking about ghosts. Oh, wait. Ah, oh, she's gone. That is a ghost. That's the thing. You know, the upstairs parking lot where we're having the Paracon at, at Paradise Park. Right. Um, and I, I'll make this quick. I, I took a, like a three-person ghost tour up there and we, the walkway was open. We went up to the restaurant. The gate was down. So as I'm explaining the, the history of the hauntings in that restaurant, this huge table in the lobby, like from my uh, peripheral, I see it like float and drop, float and drop. And so I looked at these these guys. I said, did you say that? And they were like, um, you know, we didn't want to say anything. I'm like, oh, my God. And then <laughs> the lobby light goes on. Oh, you know, it's, it's a motion detector light. Wow. That fills the whole lobby. But none of us are moving. We're not in front of the light. And then it goes off and like. Not less than five feet away from the lobby is the door that goes into the kitchen. You know, they, they have that uh, window on the door. So all the lights in the kitchen go on. At that point, I call Napua. And you know Napua, the owner. Yeah, Auntie Napua. Yeah. Oh, we... I call her. I said, oh, is, it, is anybody in the kitchen? She goes, no, why? I said, the lights are going on and off. I said, the motion detector light went off. We're nowhere near it. And that freaking table floated in the air three times. And she said to me, my daughter... And her friend were just up there locking the back gate so no one could get into the back uh, of the kitchen, uh, to the kitchen through the back. 
she said they come running down here because they can hear, you know, that the sound of the bell on the, the bicycle. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they could hear that from inside the kitchen, like right on the other side of the door. Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> and and this place, Paradise Park, is, um, what is the falls there? Manoa Falls? Did I say it right? Manoa Falls. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just this, it is Paradise Park. I mean, when you go for a hike in Paradise, it, it's just, it's right there at Paradise Park. And you know, you're going to see things that are, you feel is just like right out of Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, I told, I told Lloyd about it and he said, and I quote, Hmm, very interesting. <laughs> Maybe we should do an investigation when we get there. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I got to tell yeah. you guys, if you want to go to the Hawaii Paracon, first of all, uh, we're, you know, just less than a month away. And so this is the time where you can find like last minute tickets to places. And so you're going to want to check out and see if you can get a last minute ticket to Hawaii if, you, if you're not confirmed yet. Or if you've always wanted to go to Hawaii, this is the time to go because number one, the VIP experience is 150 bucks and that's cheap. Like for all the, for the dinner on Friday, for the ghost tour on Saturday, for all the lectures, for everything, you know, uh, you can get the entire party uh, for 150 bucks to get in. Uh, and or- airfare, as you said, can be a surprisingly affordable like you think just the opposite that planning way ahead is a great idea but but really it's not uh you can get those last minute yeah. deals and the, also the thing especially is, with the new airlines we got here what, what happens is, is that the um you have about, about three weeks before uh your actual travel date and that's when prices jump but the thing is at the same time if you're looking within the week of the day then prices drop because like we need to fill some seats Either way, this is a great time for a last-minute shot to the Hawaii Paracon. If you if you, um, uh, if you if you haven't thought about it yet, this might be your time to think about it. And this looks yeah, like a, it's on your bucket list. You know it is. This is a great year to go, yeah. and you're going to have great people uh, at the at the convention. So anyway, we're just encouraging everybody to go Hawaii Paracon to see Lopaka and hear these amazing stories in person. And Allison's going to tell you some stories. Lloyd Auerbach's going to like tell you some cool stuff and, and help you out with some parapsychology. You're going to get ink for the first time. Like if you've never had a tattoo before, they're going to take <laughs> you in a room and they're going to ink you up. Like if really Hawaii Paracon, um, it is Friday, July 19th to Sunday, July 21st. And it's going to change your life. And uh, if I didn't have shows this weekend and they weren't booked for like a year out or whatever, our, I would be there. And so hopefully uh, next year I will be there uh, bathing in the cleansing waters of the Pacific Ocean, right? And having and <laughs> well, you know what? Part with you guys in person. Yeah, and you know what, Allison? You know, it's going to start doing some work, so maybe we'll be able to bring you out here. Yep. You know, you could you could be the hype guy. Right. I'm a full-time weirdo now, so Sounds anything good. can happen. Yeah. Well, we'd like to, once again, we want to thank uh, Lopaka and the Mysteries of Hawaii for joining us in the podcast and being very generous with his incredible knowledge and stories. And if people, let's say they can't make it to the Hawaii Paracon, but you know they're going to go to Hawaii sometime. And if you're listening to this podcast, you want to take the ghost tour. I mean, in fact, Wendy took the ghost tour with you and she came out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's such a magical place. Uh, that Wendy and her fiance also got engaged out there, not during the ghost tour. <laughs> the, oh, that would have been Here's great. the dead people. Will you marry me? No, 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 no. But, um, <laughs> Till death know, do us part. But like at a sacred Hawaiian spot. And so the thing is this, uh, you know, so uh, Scott, Wendy's fiance and uh, contributed to the podcast, um, he felt that power that he wanted to share in a place that he thought was magical. And we want you guys to find that magic as well. And so if people want to take a ghost tour with you, Lepaka, where can they do that? They can do that at mysteries of 
www.hawaii.com. Awesome. And you'll be able to find the links to those in our show notes at othersidepodcast.com slash 254. Yes. And Hawaii Paracon is at hawaiiparacon.com. Well, that's easy to remember, isn't it? You guys are up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you, Lopaka. You are still brilliant, and I wish you just the best with Hawaii Paracon 2019. Always the same for you, brother. Mahalo. Hey, Mike. Hi, Wendy. When you think about Hawaii, how does it make you feel? Oh, gosh. It makes me feel so warm and joyful and happy. Well, and that's not unusual because uh, Hawaii is... Uh, the happiest state in America, according to a survey by WalletHub. Uh, wait, so Disney was lying when they said they were the happiest place on Earth? Oh, wait, that's on Earth. Yes, so that maybe <laughs> Disney is the happiest place on Earth. But technically, according to WalletHub, the happiest city on Earth, or at least in the U.S., is Plano, Texas. Oh, interesting. Um, and they rank things on income and employment, community and environment, and emotional and physical well-being. Okay. And, and Madison shows up third. All right. So our city is the third happiest city in the United States, but Wisconsin does not fare so well. Uh-oh. Yes, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin <laughs> oh, is no. in the top 20. We're the 11th happiest state. But the number That's one... That's surprising, actually. I was going to say most of the people I know in Wisconsin, like, especially between November and April, nobody happy. Yeah, they're just trying to escape. So whatever score Wallet Hub gave Wisconsin, you have to cut it in half because that's the only like the habitable part of the year. Uh, so it can only be so happy when right. you're in January here. Anyway, uh, Hawaii, number one for emotional and physical well-being and number four for community environment. Wow. Fantastic. Right. So they really bring it home there that Hawaii is the happiest state, according to Wallet Hub. And, and hey, if Wallet Hub says it's so. Right. I mean, I, so. I would say Madison's a, <laughs> Madison's a pretty happy place. I mean, as long as you don't talk about politics, everybody here is pretty happy. Right. You know? Yeah. So anyway, we thought that was fun and thought since this episode's about Hawaii and we're talking about the Hawaii Paracon, why not bring out our happiest song, Wendy? Yay! And I can't believe it's been almost five years we haven't had this one on the podcast yet. <laughs> That's crazy. So this is this one's very simple. Here's Sunspot with the happy song.
When you're around When you're around When you're around Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. You know what else makes me happy, Wendy? What makes you happy, Mike? Our Patreon community. Oh, they make me happy too. Right, because Patreons are the coolest people we know. That's the community of people who are so into the See You on the Other Side podcast that they're willing to give a couple of bucks every month uh, in order to keep the podcast going, keep the servers up, and uh, keep the music flowing. Yeah, exactly. I love our hangouts we have every month. It's so fun seeing our friends from everywhere all around. Our interesting and paranormally intrigued friends. Now, if you would like to be a see you on the other side sunspot patreon it's really easy to do you just go on the world wide web and you get on your internet browser and you type in http colon <laughs> forward slash forward slash www.othersidepodcast.com forward slash donate if you do that, if you listen to those instructions very carefully, you'll get to the place where you can become part of our Patreon community. We like sending the MP3s as soon as they come out of the songs because we don't make them available for download um, until they actually become, you know, go onto one of our albums. Right. So the Patreons get songs. We have a hangout. We have a discussion group. And we want to do more stuff with you. So as the community gets bigger, uh, we can do more and more stuff. We've got ideas. We've got lots of ideas. We just need the Patreons to make it happen. And you can make it happen. Yeah. Where is that, Wendy? The happiest place on the web, Mike. Yes. Is at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. That's right. So we will see you there after we give a shout out to our man, Dr. Ned. Ned! Dr. Ned's at the level of the Patreon where he gets a shout out in every single episode. One of these days, Ned, we will party with you in Hawaii. Oh, gosh. Would that ever be great? That would be pretty good. That sounds like a, uh, that sounds like the kind of road trip. Well, I guess it'd be more than a road trip, um, but that's the kind of road trip that we're into. But either way, Ned, thank you so much for your support and all of our Patreons. Thank you for your support because we couldn't do it without you. Yes. Thank you. When you stop petting the mane of my little pony, he'll make you pay.